Part One, Chapter Ten of War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Nathan Haskell Doyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Of the young people, not reckoning Miss Kurajina, and the cousin's oldest daughter, who was four years older than her sister and regarded herself as already grown up, only Nikolai and the niece Sonya remained in the drawing room. Sonya was a miniature little brunette with a tawny tinted complexion especially noticeable on her neck and bare arms, which were slender but graceful and muscular. She had soft eyes shaded by long lashes, and she wore her black hair in a long braid twined twice about her head. By the easy grace of her movements, by the suppleness and softness of her slender limbs, and by a certain cunning and coyness of manner, she reminded one of a beautiful kitten which promises soon to grow into a lovely cat. She evidently considered it the right thing to manifest her interest in the general conversation by a smile, but her eyes against her will shot glances of such passionate girlish adoration from under their long, thick lashes at her cousin, who was soon to join the army, that her smile could not for an instant deceive anyone, and it was plain to see that the kitten had only crouched down in order to jump and play all the more merrily with her cousin, as soon as the two followed the example of Boris and Natasha and left the drawing-room. "'Yes, ma chère,' said the old count, turning to Mrs. Kuragina and pointing to Nikolai. "'His friend Boris here has been appointed an officer of the guard, and they are such good friends that they cannot be separated, so he throws up the university and his old father, and is going into the military service, ma chère.' and yet there was a place all ready for him in the department of the archives, and all. That's what friendship is, concluded the Count, with a dubious shake of the head. Yes, there's going to be a war, they say, said the visitor. They have been saying so for a long time, replied the Count, and they will say so again, and keep saying so, and that will be the end of it. Mon cher, that's what friendship is, he repeated. He is going to join the hussars. The visitor, not knowing what reply to make, shook her head. It is not out of friendship at all, declared Nikolai, flushing up and spurning the accusation as though it were a shameful aspersion on his character. It is not from friendship at all, but simply because I feel drawn to a military life. He glanced at his cousin and at the young lady visitor. Both were looking at him with a smile of approbation. Colonel Schubert, of the Pavlogradsky Regiment of Hussars, is going to dine with us tonight. He has been home on leave of absence, and was going to take Nikolai back with him. What's to be done about it? asked the Count, shrugging his shoulders, and affecting to treat as a jest what had evidently occasioned him much pain. I have already told you, Papenka, said the lad, that if you do not wish me to go, I will stay at home, but I know that I am not good for anything except the army. I cannot be a diplomatist or a chinovic. I can't hide what I feel. And as he said this, he glanced, with a handsome young fellow's coquetry, at Sonya and the young lady visitor. The kitten feasted her eyes on him, and seemed ready at a second's notice to play and show all her kittenish nature. "'Well, well, let it go,' said the old count, He's all on fire. This Bonaparte has turned all their heads. 
They all think what an example he gave them in rising from a lieutenant to be an emperor. Well, good luck to them, he added, not noticing his visitor's sarcastic smile. They began to talk about Napoleon. Julie Karagina turned to young Rostov. How sorry I was that you didn't come last Thursday to the Arkharovs. It was lonesome there without you, said she, giving him an affectionate smile. The young man, much flattered, drew his seat nearer to her and engaged the smiling Julie in a confidential conversation, entirely oblivious that this coquettish smile cut as with a knife the jealous heart of poor Sonya, who flushed and tried to force a smile. In the midst of this conversation he happened to glance at her. She gave him a look of passionate anger, and, scarcely able to hold back her tears, and with the pretended smile still on her lips, got up and left the room. All Nikolai's animation deserted him. He availed himself of the first break in the conversation, and with a disturbed countenance left the room in search of Sonya. "'How the secrets of these young folks are sewed with white threads!' exclaimed Anna Mikhailovna, nodding in the direction of the vanishing Nikolai. "'Cousinage dangereux visionage,' she added. "'Yes,' replied the countess, when, as it were, the very light of the sun had departed from the room, together with these young people, and then, as though she were answering a question which no one had asked, but which was constantly in her mind, how much suffering, how much unrest, must be gone through with in order that at last we may have some joy in them. And even now, truly, there's more sorrow than joy. You're always in apprehension, always in apprehension." This is the age when there are so many perils for both young girls and for boys. It all depends upon the education, said the visitor. Yes, you are right, continued the countess. So far I have been, thank God, the confidant of my children, and enjoy their perfect confidence, declared the countess, repeating the air of many parents who cherish the illusion that their children have no secrets in which they do not share. I know that I shall always be my daughter's chief confidant, and that Nicolina, even with his impetuous nature, if he does play some pranks, as all boys will, still, there's no danger of his being like those Petersburg young men. Yes, they're splendid, splendid children, emphatically affirmed the Count, who always settled every question too complicated for him by finding everything splendid. But what's to be done? He wanted to go into the Hussars, what would you have, mon cher? What a charming creature your youngest girl is, said the visitor. Like powder. Yes, like powder, said the Count. She resembles me, and what a voice she has. Although she is my daughter, yet I am not afraid to say that she is going to be a singer, a second Salomini. We have engaged an Italian master to teach her. Isn't she too young yet? They say it is injurious for the voice to study at her age. Oh, no. Why do you consider it too early? exclaimed the Count. Didn't our mothers get married when they were twelve or thirteen? And she's already in love with Boris. Just think of it, said the Countess, looking at the Princess with a sweet smile. Then, apparently answering a thought that constantly occupied her, she went on to say, Well, now, you see, if I were too strict with her, if I were to forbid her, God knows what they might be doing on the sly. She meant they might exchange kisses. But now I know everything they say. 
She comes to me herself every evening and tells me all about it. Maybe I spoil her, but indeed this seems to be the best plan. I kept a too strict reign over my eldest daughter. Yes, I was brought up in an entirely different way, said the oldest daughter, the handsome Countess Viera, smiling. But the smile did not add to the beauty of her face, as often happens. On the contrary, it lost its natural expression and therefore became unpleasant. She was handsome, intelligent, well-bred, well-educated. Her voice was pleasant. What she said was right and proper enough, and yet, strange to say, her mother and all the others looked at her as though surprised at her saying such a thing, and regarded it as one of the things that had better have been left unsaid. People always try to be very wise with their eldest children, try to accomplish something extraordinary, said the visitor. How naughty to prevacate, mon cher. The little countess tried to be very wise with Viera, said the count. Well, on the whole, she has succeeded splendidly, he added, winking approvingly at his daughter. The visitors got up and took their departure, promising to return to dinner. "'What manners! I thought they were going to stay for ever,' remarked the Countess, after she had seen her visitors to the door. End of chapter 10